Well, this morning, I want us to turn to, well, if you, if you choose to, a very familiar uh, uh, portion of Scripture. It's Psalm 23, verse 1. And I'm sure most of us can quote it by heart. The 23rd Psalm, verse 1. I'm just going to focus on, on verse 1. Um, anybody know what it says? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... You know, I remember reading that years ago, and I would, um, I would think of it in the context, God is my shepherd, and I really don't want him. Did you ever think of it that way? Oh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I always read that and say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I really don't want him. It's like, why would he write that, you know? But that's not what it means. Uh, and I have a number of different um, translations that says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Uh, the Living Translation says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing that I lack. And the Amplified says, The Lord is my shepherd, to feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. So whenever we're reading that verse, uh, David is telling us that there is nothing that he lacks when we recognize that God is our divine shepherd. So the, the title of my message today is The Value of One. The Value of One. Anybody remember what last week's message was? What time is it? <laughs> so you can remember it's time to begin. All right. Well, today we're going to look at the value of one. The value of one. So the first thing is, as we look at this, in this 23rd Psalm, and the first verse is, God is our divine shepherd. He is the one who watches over us. He is the one who keeps us. He is the one who provides for us. And so when the Lord, God, is my shepherd, I don't, won't lack anything. Now, a shepherd is a person who... What does a shepherd do? What does he watch over? Sheep. So the, the shepherd is an individual who watches over sheep. Now, what is the characteristic of a shepherd? Now, you know, and the scripture tells us in John, excuse me, in Luke chapter 15, verses 4, 4 through 7, Jesus uses this illustration about a shepherd. He says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and he lost one. Wouldn't you leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after one until you found it? When found, you can be sure that you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing, and when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over ninety-nine good people in, in no, that do not need a rescue. So, a shepherd is someone who watches over his sheep, and he watches over his sheep to the point that if one of them goes away, goes astray, he is continue. He goes out after it. Now, we used to, I used to live on a dairy farm, and when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I don't know what it was, but our cows always got out. All right, the grass was always greener on the other side of the fence. I mean, we had barbed wire fence, we had electric fences, we had all this stuff, and we had one cow that would always jump the fence. I mean, no matter what you did, this cow would jump the fence. 
We even went so far as to put a chain around its neck and a log between its legs so it couldn't jump up. (laughs) Just to keep it from going over the fence. And then it would just walk through them, tear down all the fence. (laughs) But, you know, here you are, and I don't know if if you've ever been out at the middle of night in a cornfield, in a cornfield above your head, and Dad says, cows are up on the hill over here, you go up in the cornfield, and when they come towards you, you turn them towards the barn. <laughs> now, just think about that for a moment. <laughs> Here I am standing in the middle of a cornfield, and there's 40 or 50 head of cattle stampeding toward me. I can't see two feet in front of me, and somehow 50 head of cattle are going to see me and turn and go down to the barn. I want you to know, they couldn't see me, but they heard me. (laughs) Because I was jumping and screaming because I have been run over by animals. (laughs) And it is not a pleasant situation, you know. You see these dumb, I call them dumb individuals in these, uh, you know, in, uh, in these bull runs and stuff. They run in front of the bulls and all this stuff. You gotta be dumb to do that stuff. Because when those things hit you, they hurt, <laughs> you know? And so I'm in the middle of this cornfield, and I'm jumping up and down and screaming, and they all turn towards the barn, and I'm praying, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not one of the missing tonight. And, but it was, you know, they would always get out, and you were always having to chase them and go after them. Why didn't you just let them go? They got out. They'll come back. Let them go. Why didn't you do that? Because they were too valuable. <laughs> They're too valuable to just let him go. Well, here we have a shepherd who has 99 sheep and one of them is missing. And why doesn't he just let it go? Because the shepherd recognizes the value of one. Even one little sheep. So, the value of one is seen in a God who tenderly searches. And this is the story. The value of God that God sees uh, who tenderly searches for a sinner, for an individual who is without him. He tenderly searches and joyfully forgives and restores them. We may understand, you know, we can perhaps understand a, uh, a God who is a Maybe um, like a wicked king or a dictator sits on a throne and makes people say, you know, come in, bow down, and ask for mercy. Or I'm going to, you know, off with his head, you know. What was that? Uh, Alice in Wonderland, queen. You know, off with his head. Anybody ever see that one? Yeah, off with his head. That was her, that was her, uh, you know, I didn't see much of it, but all I remember that, well, off with his head, you know. They always wanted to cut everybody's head off. You know, and that's not mercy. That's wickedness. But here we have a God who is trying to, here we have God who is trying to teach us the value of one, the value of an individual, the value of a little lamb, and how that a shepherd worthy of his name will always go and seek for the one that is lost. So, it's not this king or this mytho- mythological person or the wicked queen in uh, Alice in Wonderland. It's not that type of God that we are serving. You see, 
The God of Israel, the God of the Bible, is the Messiah who comes to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have been lost. There isn't anybody who has not lost their way. And lost means that there are things in our life that we need to get, that we need to get corrected. And the scripture gives to us those, those directions that will give us direction for our life. So God, God tenderly searches for sinners. God joyfully forgives them. He joyfully forgives them with, and with an extraordinary love that looks beyond faults and looks beyond problems, looks beyond difficulties, and begins to talk, you know, to, to lead them back to himself. This love prompted Jesus to come to earth. It was his love for mankind, the love for the lost that he came to save. John 15, 16 says, this is one of those scriptures also that, that kind of challenges us. It says, you have not chosen me. The Bible, John is telling us, you didn't choose God. Remember, God chose you. And he put you in this world to bear fruit. God chose you. He, cho- he chooses each one that we would each one of us be his child and each one of us would be um, part of his kingdom. He chooses us and that our fruit would remain, that there would be a divine purpose for each person that he has created. So the value of one is declared in the purpose of one. You know, in the parable of the 99, what, he did, what did he do? He went out in search of the shepherd went out looking for the one. The shepherd, the shepherd, God, has searched for you. You're the one that God is looking for. You're the one that God is looking for. Why is he looking for you? Why is he looking for me? He wants to forgive us. He wants to forgive us of all the garbage in our life and put us in a, and, and, and establish us, not put us, establish us in our life so that whatever we do will have a lasting effect, an eternal effect. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. Now, the setting for this is David is writing this, okay? Now, he's not sitting in his castle, (laughs) in his palace, writing this. Jewish tradition has it that David is in a cave, hiding from King Saul. And David is in the back of the cave, and King Saul is camped in front of the cave. And David's men has deserted him. And what he does, he begins to write about the goodness of God in this very perilous situation. King Saul is trying to kill David. And David's in hiding. And in this place of hiding, in the back of a cave, he writes, God is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing in my life. The value of one. The value of who he is. Do you recall when you were the one lost sheep? Do you remember when Jesus found you? Where would you and I be if God hadn't come and touched our lives and we responded to it? 
You see, 80% of, of, of Jesus' listeners made their living off of the land. And uh, many of them were shepherds, and all of them knew shepherds. So no flock ever grazed without having a shepherd. No flock ever grazed without having a shepherd. When I was on the farm, uh, younger, we had, uh, we would take the cows out to, sometimes we had, you know, um, the pastures were not that big and not that great, but, you know, sometimes after you cut the hay off and everything and you weren't, they were the hay, you know, in the fall, later summer, early fall, it wasn't that productive to cut it again with the tractors and machinery, so he'd let the cows go out there and watch over them, keep them in the field and let them graze. Well, and then you'd want to take them back to the barn. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you ever tried to herd cats, but herding cows is a lot like herding cats. Do you ever herd cats? Do you ever never hear of people herding cats? Only on commercials you see all these cats running over the hill, you know? But if you've ever tried to herd a cat, ever tried chasing a cat? What happens? It goes the other way. So if you want it to go that way, you've got to turn it this way. You know, and outsmart it. Well, cows are about the same. Sheep are even worse. I mean, you know, sheep are, you know, those of you who don't know, sheep are dumb. That's why God compares them to people. <laughs> you know, they tend, sheep just wander off. I mean, you know, a sheep, if you don't have them in a fence, you're never going to find them. Because they can just wander off. And, and, you know, and that's why a shepherd always has to be on, on patrol because his sheep are going to wander off. And the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We all kind of wander off. Did you ever wander around and find yourself wondering what you're wondering about? <laughs> what are you here for? Oh, just wondering what I'm after, you know, to go to the mall. You know, what am I here for? I'm just wandering around, seeing what I need. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering what I'm wondering about. So, and a sheep, a sheep does not have any natural defenses. Doesn't have claws. Doesn't have horns, for the most part. They have horns, but that's only to signify a hard head. And uh, they need a shepherd with a rod and a staff protect and guide. So we are, we are a lot like sheep. We have no natural defenses against the enemy of our soul. We have no natural defenses against the enemy of my, our soul who wants to destroy us, who is roaring, going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Um, I found this story, and I don't like this story. Just tell you right up front, but I'm going to read it to you. It's a story that says, when things settle down, this individual, he logged 24-hour hour days and sometimes weekends. Even when he wasn't working, he was thinking of work. His wife tried to slow him down. He knew they weren't as close as they once had been. He hadn't intended to drift away. It's just that she always seemed to want time. And that's the, time, that's the one thing he didn't have to give. He was vaguely aware of his kids who were growing up and, and he was missing it. They complained about books he wasn't reading to them, games he wasn't playing with them, and trips he wasn't taking with them. After a while, they stopped complaining or expecting their lives might be even different. 
I'll be more available when things get settled down, he thought. When he felt guilty, he told himself, I'm going to do it. Th- I'm going to do this. I am doing this for them. His wife asked him about going to church, and he said, Well, there'll be plenty of time for that sort of thing when things settle down. His doctor told him he had elevated blood pressure and high cholesterol, but he told himself there'd be plenty of time for that when things settled down. Quietly, efficiently, irresistibly, his body was preparing to do him in. One morning, his wife woke at 3 a.m., and he was not beside her. She went downstairs to drag him to bed and saw him sitting still in front of the computer. His head hanging low, she touched him, but he didn't respond. When the paramedics got there, they told him that he had suffered, told her that he had suffered a massive heart attack. Things had finally settled down. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I don't like that story. <laughs> uh, but the idea is this, when things settle down, when things change. Without the scripture, what do we use as a guideline for our lives? Without the scripture, what do we use as a guideline for our lives? We use our own values, our own thinking. But the scripture gives to us value and the scripture gives to us hope. The scripture teaches us the value of one the value of you and I and each of us as individuals, and how that God values you to the point that he is a divine shepherd looking for you. And this story is about people going astray, wandering off. How do we know when we've wandered off? When do we wake up and know that we're lost? (laughs) Here, here. When do we wake up and realize that we are not in the, you know, life is what it is and we don't know where we're at. We're wondering what we're wondering after. So we need the scriptures. We need the scriptures to teach us the value of life and the value of who we are. To lose our way is to lose ourselves in, to lose ourselves in the sin of self. That we've got no one here but ourselves. See, that's not the value of one. The value of one is not that I am the only one and I am important and I'm going to do it my way. No, we're looking at the value of God and how that God sees his value in us and that the 90 and 9 are there and one is gone and he will come and search for it. We need a shepherd. John 3.16 says, This is how much God loved the world. Speaking of God coming to us, he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole lasting life. Value of one, the shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not be in want. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. God didn't come here to point fingers at us, telling the world how bad it was. That's not what God is about. He came to help. 
He came to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the sentence of death. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in a -a one-of-a-kind Son of God when we were introduced to him. God has come to introduce himself to us, the value of one. In teaching the basics of math, I read this because I don't know math, in teaching the basics of math, we must know their constant and relative value. Doesn't that sound good? To know the basics of math, we have to know their constant and relative value. What that means is the number one is always the same value as another one. One is always the same value as another one. That's the constant relative value. Two is always the constant relative value of two. It never changes. Three is always the constant relative value of three. It is always the same. One cannot be two. It must be one. Constant and relative value. All right? The number one is not worth more than another one. So they have the same value. In the same way, everyone counts. Every person counts to God. You are one. Everybody raise your hand and say, I am one. Thank you. I am one. All of us are one. And we all have the same value to God. I am one. Go ahead. I have the same value as every other one to God. It means that God doesn't look at you differently than he looks at me. The value of one. Now, we say, well, we, you, you, I can't, I, you can do this and I can't do that and I can do this and you can't do that. It's not what it's about. God doesn't look at us and say, you have more value than this one because you have this talent and that person doesn't, so therefore you are a value. No. Every one of us have the same value. The value of one. And what that means is, God would come looking for you individually just as much as he would come looking for me. Or another person, the person beside you. God would look for them just like he would look for you. Why? Because we all have the same value. God would never say, oh, that sheep, that's just a troublemaker. Let it go. <laughs> that's us. Oh, wow, forget that person, you know? you know? But see, God's not like us. God looks at us, and you see, he sees you as the value of one. And Jesus would come and die for you if you were the only person to ever believe in him because every person has the same value, the value of one. And so we have this shepherd and Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus is telling us the story of the 90 and 9 and how, <coughs> excuse me, and how that the shepherd would go and search for the one. That's you and I. So, I am not more important to God than you are, and you are more important to him than I am, or anybody else. The shepherd seeks the wandering sheep. 
The shepherd will seek the lost sheep. And who tells us that we're lost? (laughs) Our lostness is in that we are without God, that we are without hope. We are without life, eternal life. We are, we are dragging the baggage of our, of our life behind us and God wants us to learn from it but to be forgiven of it and to let it go. God loves us, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave. The world is, as, and you can break that down, that God loved the one of the world that he came and he gave himself for us. And so the value of the one is that God will touch our lives and that each individual one will have fruit that remains, have lasting value. So whenever we have the understanding of the value of one, yourself, what you do has eternal benefit. Why? Because it has an eternal influence when we recognize that God loves us. God loves us. Bear fruit, and our fruit will remain. He cares for you. He cares for me. As much as he cares for any of his children. Because of the value of one, if I were the only person in history, in the history of humankind, he would still have come and died for me. If you were the only person in history of humankind to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he would come and he would have died for you. Because he cannot, does not, see us differently. He sees us as the value of one. Now we each have abilities, we each have talents, we each have different things that we can do. But I was thinking about that and I was wondering, what does God need us for? I mean, what is it that he needs us for that he couldn't do himself? He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He can cook. <laughs> you know, he can fix things. <laughs> what does he need us for? It isn't what he needs us for. It's how we can become what he created us to be. The value of one. And so as we look at this and begin to understand you are important to God because you're you. No strings attached. No idea that, well, I've got this talent and they don't have this one so therefore I'm better. No. We each have value in his sight. The value of one. The Lord, what is he? What is he? He is my shepherd. And the shepherd is the one who watches over his sheep. God, the divine creator, is my shepherd. And am I, being a sheep, would wander off, he would come for me. And he has. And when he has come for me, he will lead me in green pastures so that I can be nourished. He will guide me and protect me, his rod and his staff. They will guide me and protect me. He will take me in the paths of righteousness because he is a divine shepherd who watches over me. I always have someone who is watching me, 
not to mark down what I've done wrong, but to plan my course, to protect me and guide me. He will always walk beside me, with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. So as we begin to understand the character of God, we start putting it in the context of the value of one, I begin to see that God loves me. Because I'm me. Not because I'm better than or less than. He loves me because of me. So today's sermon is the value of one, which is the value of me. Ready? The value of me. The value of me. Say it. The value of me. Not against, but recognizing who we are and why has he touched us? So that our fruit would remain. Our divine purpose is in God's hands.